BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. of uh, Kenny Pickett and what he was able to do there at the end? You know, um, he, he he moved his group. Um, he played situational football. He had a, he displayed a competitive spirit. Um, a lot of good things to build on for, from a first performance standpoint. What about the first two quarterbacks? I thought I could say the same thing about all three, to be honest with you. Um, they moved their units. They did the informal things associated with the position from a leadership and communication standpoint. Um, they were engaged. It was a good first time out uh, for all three. Obviously, we'll comb through it tomorrow and, 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 and evaluate it in that way. The first game post-Ben Roethlisberger, not a regular season game, but a preseason game at Heinz Field. The last time we saw the Steelers there, that was the night the clouds parted and Ben Roethlisberger ascended into heaven. Now they've got Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, and Mason Rudolph. Let's start with Kenny Pickett, the 20th overall pick, the first-year rookie who knows a thing or two about playing in Heinz Field because he played for Pitt. Give me your word association with Pickett based on his Saturday night debut, Chris. Matter of time? I mean, wow, he like he belongs? I mean, that, you know... That that was it was impressive, you know. Again, I know he got in there with a lot of third stringers, but it's just the way he looked, how he orchestrated the offense, the the decisiveness and the decision making, and knowing where to go with the football. You know, the the athleticism to move a little bit, and the control of the football with the accuracy and the little tight windows. You know, yeah. Again, you know, you heard me through the draft process. His arm doesn't necessarily pop off the screen. But it's plenty good, and it's perfect spirals, catchable footballs. I was really impressed with with the way Kenny Pickett looked. Look good for him, and and you know he can continue to build on that. They got something going there in Pittsburgh. I'm gonna go with the words that caught my attention in the sound from Tomlin: competitive spirit. And I say that because. At some point in the offseason, Mike Tomlin talking about what he's looking for in a quarterback, he used words like that. Mm -hmm. When he was describing Pickett, it tracked with what I've heard from Tomlin before about what he wants. Now, he later said all the quarterbacks show that, but he specifically said it in reference to Kenny 
Pickett. He is not looking for a gunslinger. He is looking for a leader. He is looking for a guy who is going to run the offense. He's looking for a guy who's going to lead the team, who's got the right mindset, and competitive spirit is a big part of it. And I think that makes it inevitable that we see him. Now, it may just be until Mitch Trubisky gets injured or maybe Kenny Pickett can climb the ladder. Maybe this is a Ryan Tannehill situation where they install him at number three like the Dolphins did a decade ago just so he can climb to two and then to one and everyone can say, this kid's earned it. He's not being handed anything. Maybe that's still possible in the next four weeks. Yeah, I, you're right. If he continues to make decisions like that and put the ball in the right spot and you know take care of the football, uh, uh, Pittsburgh's got a lot of things to like about their football team there. Now, Mitchell Trubisky looked very good, too, and, and I'll stand by what I've said all along. To me, Mitchell Trubisky and Pickett, you know, they're, 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 they're clearly more talented and better at the position to me than Mason Rudolph. Trubisky looked good. You're right. We'll see where that goes. But that, this is one where, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how this goes. I, I mean, even if Trubisky is like 2-2 two and two or 3-3 three and three and the offense isn't working that well – this could be one of those where you just go, you know what, let's get the guy in here. He's not going to be any worse than Mitch Trubisky, and in fact, maybe he'll have some competitive spirit that raises the rest of the football team, and we know the fan base will get behind him too. He's certainly going to put some pressure on this situation if he keeps doing that. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record, but he's always had Ben Roethlisberger, so that decision is going to be critical, and he will surely want to go with the guy who gives the team the best chance to win. I'm looking at when their bye is. It's not until week nine, so that's not going to be a natural spot to make the change. If a change is going to be made, I think it'll be made before then. Kellen Mond, his preseason debut, year two for the Minnesota Vikings, nine for 14, 119 yards, two touchdowns against the Raiders, a passer rating in excess of 130. What's your word association with the second-year quarterback from Texas A&M who you really liked coming out in the draft? Guy's got a chance. He's got a chance. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but he has starting caliber traits to me. That That's what I look at. And I think it's hard not to see that when you watch him out there. You know, he's 9 for 14, should have been 10 for 14, threw a nice out route to the left one time when the ball went right through the receiver's hands. Uh, so I, I like Kellen Mond. I really do. I think he actually needs to be a little bit more aggressive and throw the, the howitzer out there a little bit more just with the you know his pure arm power. But you can see he's got touch with the football. He's really good in playing within the pocket. That's where I liked him. And he sees the field well. He knows where to go with the ball. That's what impressed me coming out. And, you know, Mike, I, I, I don't know. You know, We'll see where, you know, Kirk Cousins, it's, it's coming to an end there, I think, here in Minnesota at some point. And you might have your future quarterback in him. I'm, I'm excited about what I saw yesterday. Your, your big concern about Trey Lance, he's got one speed all the time. And we saw in the second touchdown pass to Albert Wilson, who may resurrect his career in Minnesota. He was very good in Kansas City, promising, kind of fell off the radar right. in Miami. Yeah, got year, hurt. Year eight in his career, and he had both touchdown catches. But that second one, it was a nice little, nice little rainbow. Yes. It wasn't that high speed, fit it where he can it throw some to touch, right. My word association is chicken salad because the great quarterbacks can make chicken salad on the fly. And even though the play didn't work out, it was near the end of the first half. I know. We saw a Vikings quarterback something do something we haven't seen since Case Keenum where you can extend the play with your legs. And there was some nifty avoidance of defenders in the backfield. And then he broke out to the right. Now, he ultimately threw the ball to the cameraman. <laughs> but who was standing behind the end zone, but I don't care about the end result. 
All I care about is seeing a Vikings quarterback for the first time in five years who doesn't just collapse when the walls close in. Yeah. That, that is huge I to have you. that. It, it, That's what separates the great quarterbacks from the good quarterbacks, it, the ability to extend the play with your legs. Exactly right. It's essential. It, it is. And, you know, I, I heard some uh, – I, I, I wanted to quote a coach because there was a quote, you know, a coach this, this, this past weekend who you know, talked about that. It's just – it's a necessity this day and age in the NFL. It's a necessity. Unless you have just an unbelievable offensive line and you can not have to worry about that. But, you know, 99, 98% of the NFL, they got to make plays like that from time to time. And even on that play, Mike, you know, I thought the, the announcers were a little critical first off. I mean, like you said, he made eight guys miss. He's running to the right. He's throwing across his body. And they didn't do him justice. They didn't show a replay. He threw the ball high for a reason. There was people in front. He couldn't just throw a laser and hit the guy right in the head. There was a defender covering a receiver underneath who would have picked it off or tipped it in the air. So uh, I'm with you. That was encouraging, and that almost was a, a magical moment. Trey Lance, 49ers quarterback, who is now clearly the guy in San Francisco, Four for five for 92 yards and a touchdown against the Packers on Saturday. What's your word association with him? Whoa. You see the potential. The potential of what that offense and what he can be. You know, I'm still not sold on that throwing motion. You know, Shanahan and them made it very easy, and there's still some throws. He even threw an out route to his right where, you know, the guy made a nice catch. But, damn, I mean, his arm was below his, his knee when he threw the ball. And I just go, that that is what scares me about him. But – with his ability to run and the fact that he can throw the ball 70 yards down the field and then you add Shanahan into it, that's where you go, ooh, okay, maybe it won't be 70% completion percentage and the highest quarterback rating in football, but it can make their offense extremely dangerous. But again, you know, I lean on the telecast a little bit when I watch these things. The biggest thing, Mike, and you and I know this, and even you know some of those throws that were complete, it, all that all, all the announcers talked about was can he consistently be accurate it's been an issue in training camp you know can he fit balls into tight windows and hit receivers on the run appropriately that's what it's going to be about I know he's going to be able to launch the play action 70 yard bomb and be able to run around the corner for 20 yards and do all that it's just it's the third and seven where the team keeps him in. Can he can he can he thread the needle into tight coverage in that? That's what I got to see. But either way, that was a good start for Trey Lance. Safety first is mine. It was very encouraging to see him slide in that game. And he said after the game, that was my first time sliding in my whole entire life. <laughs> I'm sure guys were happy. I'm pretty sure I could hear the whole entire sideline yelling to me to get down. Obviously, I'm a little bit of a different position just trying to take care of myself. I know me being available, me not being available puts our team at a deficit. That is music to the ears of everyone in the organization because that was the ultimate problem with Jimmy G. Too reckless with his body. Lost him in 2018 in week three in Kansas City because he decided to throw his shoulder at the sideline and tore his ACL. Trey Lance was injured a couple of times last year. Making good decisions with your body. Chris, you've said it before. Former safety who maybe isn't wired to avoid getting hit or avoid the opportunity to deliver a hit. I think that's very encouraging because, Definitely. number one, it's going to keep you healthy in the preseason. And, number two, it's a habit that's going to help you stay healthy in the regular season. Yeah, stay healthy, please. You know, that, that team will drop dramatically if Nate Sudfeld is the quarterback. Trey Lance is going to open up the playbook, running game and pass game, for the 49ers. 
And that's, yes, the, the, you're, you're exactly right. Stay healthy. That's the number one thing here through preseason. Next up on the docket, Jordan Love, the Packers quarterback entering year three, 13 for 24, 176 yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions against the 49ers. What do you got on him? Well, I, just back off, everybody. You know, Don't just read the stat line. Look at it. First off, really, you know, he threw three interceptions. There's only one that you look at to go, oh, that was a horrible one. This, I mean, it's, he threw a dime right here. Guy's got to catch the ball. That's why you got hands. Don't let it hit you in the face. So that's not his fault. That was a nice drive there. You know, this one, this one was his fault. You know, or no, this one wasn't that bad. It's behind, certainly. I, I understand that. But it wasn't like egregious to where you go, oh, my gosh, this guy's horrible. That's the bad one right there. I think there's even encouraging things there, though. The ball wasn't that off target. You know, I, Jordan Love, uh, you know, I, I feel for the guy because there's tremendous pressure on him. I do. Uh, I liked the way he looked there the other night. I did. I thought he made some nice throws. He was he was good going through reads and going with the putting the ball or you know going with the ball to the the appropriate place as far as where the coverage and the defense told him. So it wasn't perfect. But again, that's another one too where I'd go. You know, he got thrown out there with kind of a lot of backups on Green Bay and had to play. You know, the 49ers who had some starters and some guys in there on the defensive side of the ball, and it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, set up for him to just dominate and kick butt, too. The best word for me as it relates to Jordan Love is always going to be hate. I hate what's happened to him. Yeah, it's I hate it's that horrible. he's been put in this position. He's the only guy who has completely blamed this in, in this ongoing, and, and it's died down, but the drama between Rodgers and the team, and he didn't ask for it. He got drafted into it, and – where would he be if he was with another team? Would he be starting for some other team? Is he ever going to get a chance to really show what he can do anywhere? Are the Packers just going to squat on him for five years? How long is Aaron Rodgers going to play? I mean, he's constantly in the dark. It takes extreme patience. You're trying to get your career started. These are years that you could be contributing. You could be playing at a high level. You could be the difference for a team between not playoffs and playoffs or playoffs and maybe Super Bowl. You're losing valuable opportunities to get better and so I agree with you. Let's back off on what he does when he finally gets a chance to play. He's not getting any chances to play during the season. Let's see what he can well, do now. I know. Matt LaFleur defended him after the game. Two of the interceptions weren't his fault. That's what LaFleur said. Right. And, you know, it's just a bad situation for the kid, and it's another reason why I, I think guys should be able to pick their own spots coming out of school because there's no <laughs> yeah. way Jordan Love would have picked that spot if it was up to him. No, no, no doubt. He definitely wouldn't have picked that spot. You're right about that. And, you know, I hear people, you know, oh, look what he did last year in the regular season. Oh, great. He got thrown out there. What was that, week 10, 11 in the NFL season against, at the time, the hottest defense in the sport on the road in Kansas City. And, yeah, it wasn't good. I get that. But it wasn't easy either to be just thrown in that situation. Uh, so, uh, you know, I echo your point there. There's some things he's got to clean up with his throwing as well, but I still thought overall it was more positive than negative in my opinion. Justin Fields, the Bears' second-year quarterback, four for seven for 48 yards against the Chiefs. He handled three drives, no points. A couple of the drives, though, one covered like 30 to 40 yards. The other one went 50 yards. All three ended in punts. What was your one word or two or three yeah. assessment of Fields? I just don't know. I just, I mean, I know he's like, he's, strong and can run and I know his arm is is powerful it's 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 more than just him I don't know about the Bears offensively and then you know again I'm not into stats I don't I really don't give a shit about the stats I'm into look here in the preseason 
It, it's preseason football. You know, I just want to evaluate the player and how it looks. And his big completion down the left sideline, you know, he underthrew the ball by 15 yards. It should have been a pick. I mean, this, this I don't look at this and go, damn, that's a dime. I mean, that, that, that to me is, you know, not the greatest throw in the world. It's a really nice play by Darnell Mooney. He throws a ball on the right sideline. You know, that was the other big completion. The ball was wobbly and going to be out of bounds, and the guy makes an unbelievable catch and, and gets two hand, you know, two feet down. So I'm more into the look of all of it. And, yes, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a hater on the guy. I really don't. I, th- I know I've already been put in that box with him, but I'm just not – I'm not sold on, you know, him or the Bears or anything about their offense quite yet. I'm going to say flashes. Right. Because there okay. were flashes that yeah. impressed me. Yeah. He had a throw to Darnell Mooney that was kind of a back shoulder 50-50 ball, and Mooney went up and got it, and it looked good. He had another throw to the sideline yeah. to Tajay Sharp, I believe. It was an amazing was a catch. nice throw. Right. And great awareness to get up to the line of scrimmage and get the next play called before anybody could challenge, even though it was a clean catch. And and he just, you know, he moves well. He does do I, that. It's like it's like Superman surrounded by kryptonite, though. He needs I more. Know. He needs help. He needs he needs players around him to reach his full potential. And then don't get me started on the whole field issue, d- d- that disaster. How the and, hell does uh, that happen? How the hell does that no happen? idea. Like, and, did they not no, know usually, there was going to be preseason football coming up here in 2022? Well, Hey, the the MLS team that plays there already said, you know, we got a game coming up August 18. They said even before the Elton John concert that apparently tore the place up, we're we're just going to play somewhere else for our next home game because we know how bad it's only going. only in the NFL. It's it's just so ridiculous. Messi and Ronaldo, they, they would never even play. They'd be like, nope, I want my forty million dollars. I'm never playing on that field. Here in the NFL, we go, hey, we're going to invest all this money on you, but we're going to throw you on some crap shitty field. Hope you don't get go. hurt. And, you know, if you do get hurt, it's actually going to hurt us because i got to pay you and do all this type of stuff. It makes no sense. For a bunch of businessmen who are so smart, they don't protect their greatest assets sometimes, and it makes no sense to me. That's what's astounding to me. Even if you don't regard the human beings who work for you as human beings, even if you view them as interchangeable parts in a football machine, you're still undermining your own investment in these guys by putting them on this field. Right. It, it real, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it's week one of the preseason. All right. Trevor Lawrence, Jaguars. First overall pick last year, 6 for 12 for 95 yards, and a touchdown against the Browns. The, the quarterback no one was paying attention to because everybody was focusing on Deshaun Watson. What are your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence? Well, I just, you know, the, now you, you're starting to see why he was the number one pick. That, that, that's my thoughts. I mean, it just – from the first throw of the game down the right sideline, just throwing a BB, you know, off a of play action, just boom, 30 yards up the field. I mean, these, these are impressive throws. This wasn't like, oh, wow, yeah, hey, just a nice easy preseason completion to get things going. How about a 40-yard dime up the sideline? You know, you saw the talent. He's, like we talked about a little bit with the, the pre, you know, the Hall of Fame game, you can see there's more consistency in his motion. He controlled the ball really well. And he's learning to work the pocket. Now, where he was a little off is he just hung on some receivers a few times. He had a chance where it was a third down, and he had a uh, he threw the ball like in the goal line, about you know one yard line. It was tight coverage. He had the corner route underneath it. He was you know too quick to make decisions. But that comes with just seeing the field, just like all these young guys are kind of going through it. But man, I just think Jacksonville, the way their team looks. 
what I saw last week on the field and what I saw there, I just go, oh, here we go. This guy is – he's the real deal, and I'd just be shocked if he doesn't have a good year. Coaching matters. Yes. That's mine. Right. I mean, it matters. You go from a Super Bowl-winning head coach and former NFL quarterback in Doug Peterson who knows how it is done in the NFL. You go to him from Urban Meyer. Coaching matters, and I think we're going to see a huge difference for that team and for Trevor Lawrence in 2022. Let's take a break. We'll swing to Baltimore when we return. Is Lamar Jackson finally closing in on getting his second contract and staying in Baltimore for years to come? We'll discuss that next on this Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Sometimes we'll just put the contract discussion aside. Do you have a hard deadline in mind for that? Yeah, we're coming up to it. Like, it's coming up. It's coming up. No season coming up. We're going to be good for the season. Is there any change on that update and update on the contract? No, no updates. No updates. The requirements appear to say that you want to have it done or not done by week one. Yeah, for sure. Lamar Jackson, Ravens quarterback in the 2019 NFL MVP, making it clear that week one is the deadline for getting a deal done. He's been negotiating with the team. No indication of any progress whatsoever. John Harbaugh, coach of the Ravens, said that same day. The deal gets done when it gets done. Somewhat philosophical, existential. The deal will be done when it is done. But when will it be done? We had an item yesterday that lays out all the possibilities that they don't get a deal done by week one. Obviously, it's not a real deadline. They could get a deal done later. Even if Lamar says, I'm done negotiating, if they say, hey, we're giving you everything you want, he'll probably say, okay, I'll take the deal. But, Chris, if this thing goes through the season without a contract and we get into the 2023 offseason, it gets messy, it gets delicate, it gets difficult, even more than it's already been. It's in everyone's interest to work something out before week one. Well, it, the, the good thing is it doesn't seem like there's a lot of tension there. Like It, it doesn't seem like it's gotten personal yet. So that that's a positive. Lamar, I mean, he, that's not your normal reaction interview type thing there with a guy that, you know, should be paid like he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. Period. I mean, there there's no doubt. I just I wonder what the number is or what the sweet spot is. I I know he should be paid more than Kyler Murray. That's what I know for sure. He should be, you know, one of those guys that we always put in the class of next, right? And I don't know if you make him surpass Aaron Rodgers. That's a pretty special contract. But I certainly think, you know, in a few weeks, if they told me, hey, Lamar Jackson is the number two highest paid quarterback in football, I'd go, yeah, okay. You mean the guy that won the MVP and just brings the team to the playoffs every year? And the team is, you know, built around him? Uh, you know, so again, <clears throat> I, I'm I'm all for it, and then I just I wonder what that sweet spot is for that money or that contract, and then it gets into the is Deshaun Watson's contract really ruining this whole conversation and making the issue here? But I, and I think the most fundamental problem here 
And, and look, I, everybody knows how I feel if they've paid any attention to our show for the past couple of years. It's the player who represents himself. And it's one thing to be the free agent that's being courted by a team. You know, it, this is a difficult spot. A yeah, franchise this is harder. quarterback. Right. Franchise quarterback trying to get a contract done. The team does not want to be perceived as having taken advantage of him. I mean, look, here's the bottom line. This final deal is going to be scrutinized more heavily than any other contract that's ever been done before because agents are going to be looking for it for any sign that uh uh-huh, the Ravens got the better of Lamar Jackson, all the more reason for him to have had an agent. Or, you know, you're going to be looking at it to say, hey, hey, look, hey, Lamar Jackson did pretty well for himself without an agent. Maybe more guys should go without an agent. But I just think the fact that it's taken this long is proof positive that you need an agent because I guarantee you if Lamar Jackson had an agent, they'd have it done by now because there would be that independent sort of voice that can explain the hard truth to Lamar Jackson that the Ravens just aren't in a position to even begin to explain. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure. I I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And again, again, I'm not Lamar Jackson, certainly not. He's Superman, and I'm just dumb Chris Sims sitting here talking to Mike Florio. But I can't imagine being uh, like a quarterback of his stature and then – you know, hey, I'm worried about football, worried about football, and then I got to go into some meeting with, you know, the powers that be with the Ravens and talk about contract stuff. That just is outside of my realm of, of thought, even now. I mean, it's still not. I'm still the guy that just, let me do my show, let me watch football, <clears throat> let me do my podcast. Oh, it's time for a new contract? Call my agent. I don't know what I'm talking about or what the hell we're going on here. I just know what I do, and I, I just can't even put myself in his shoes. I hope it gets done. I do. I mean, I, I think the Ravens are a damn good football team this year. Like, watch out. And I just – Lamar's awesome. And I don't give a damn. I'm sick of hearing people talk about like him in a negative fashion. It's just wrong. He's a great thrower. He's a great passer. And he's a great leader for your football team. And uh, I think, you know, some of the, the haters on social media need to shut up and realize that, you know, he's one of the best ones out there, period. It's it's another reason to have someone who is advocating for you to reporters, to analysts, to anyone to push back against the hate that is going to get directed, especially at the guys who don't have the mechanism in place to take up for themselves. And I agree with you. It's a huge area of stress and strain and effort and focus to try to take care of a contract when you otherwise have other things to do. And that's all the more reason for the Ravens to get this done. Let's get this done, and let's move on, and we know we have Lamar Jackson for years to come. When we return, we know there aren't many years to come for Tom Brady in the National Football League. The big news from late last week is unexpected 10-day hiatus from the team. We'll get Chris's thoughts on that, plus the latest about why he may be missing so much time. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Oh, there it is, pina colada, legs that are tan, face that somehow isn't. Right, I'm tan on that. Big story on Friday. Big story. I don't know. I saw I saw you shirtless on the slip and slide. I didn't see a whole lot of. I'm, I don't I, think a whole lot of ultraviolet rays what, got on that. Well, you're crazy. For I was, I'm pretty tan right now. You're that's that's that's, that's disrespectful. I've been out there a lot. I got a nice golden uh, brown tan for a really white guy. <laughs> well, Tom Brady will have the next week or so to work on his tan because he's not with the team. And this was such a strange exercise in PR by the Buccaneers. The way that it went was 
All of a sudden on Thursday, Brady's excused for personal reasons. And then Todd Bowles tells the media he won't be back until after the Titans preseason game, which is this weekend. We do the math, it's 10 days. He's gone for personal reasons. Nobody's saying why he's gone. Then they start saying, well, this was pre-planned. Jason Light, the GM, nothing to see here. This was all pre-planned. We knew this. Well, why didn't you tell anybody? Why didn't you, Was it so simple that you just didn't tell anybody because you didn't want Tom to be asked about it on the one occasion that he's had a press conference since camp opened? It's just weird. The whole thing about it is odd and strange and unprecedented. Other than injury or serious family emergency or contract situation you don't have guys leave in the middle of camp and if he's just leaving to take a break that really is strange and rick stroud of the tampa bay times reported over the weekend chris that the hiatus is unrelated to his health or the health of any family member because the first thought was hey his his mother had a public cancer battle back around super bowl 50 right one or two and that was the first thing people thought you know obviously hey look when there isn't information provided people are going to speculate but not a health issue for him or his family. Personal reasons. No one's saying what they are. He's just gone. He was there for two weeks. He had a couple of days off around his birthday, and now he's just gone uh, for 10 days. I don't know what to make of it because, again, we're in uncharted water with him at his age. As long as he's played, everything is new. Everything is different. Everything is unprecedented. Yeah, I, I, it is weird. I mean, you know, you don't expect to see that with Tom Brady, certainly. Uh, you know, the guy that's the machine and always there and leading the team and everything like that. He's, he's amazing that way. I mean, he's always working, whether it's May, June, July, whatever. I, I have no, like, gleam here. I, I have no, like, inside info or feel for here. I've had two people tell me it is a personal matter, and that's it. I don't think Tom, you know, I was one of, ooh, maybe, you know, was his elbow sore or something like that that he's trying to get away with here. You know, again, but I I, got to think it's something, you know, somewhat of a a real big issue because it's not just rest. Tom Brady isn't, he didn't leave just to go to rest. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I need a few weeks off here in the middle of training camp. I, I find that highly unlikely. I got to think it is a personal matter. I don't know what that is. I don't, you know, I understand them maybe not telling anybody before training camp because they don't want everybody asking about it every day and trying to dig into his life that way, trying to figure it out. You know, you kind of get hit by the broad side of the barn here and all of a sudden, yeah, you, you, you know, people are trying to, but I, I don't know. So I'm just going to take it at its word right now that it is a personal matter and that the goat wouldn't be missing any time ever if it wasn't something real. But this is what goes along with being Tom Brady. It is. Especially as he spreads his wings as it relates to his various business interests and always selling something on his Twitter feed. And he's a high-profile athlete, the highest-profile NFL player. Now, if not ever, people are going to wonder. And there's something that just doesn't add up. Like, if it was some serious personal issue, how did you know about it before camp even began and was it something that was negotiated back in march when he unretired hey i want a new coach and i want 10 days off in the middle of training camp i mean it's not like they're in a position to tell him no if he asks for it later but there's just something about it that seems unusual and given the circumstances unprecedented we've never had a 45 year old franchise quarterback we've never had a guy with a family you know you got kids in their teens and you're still going strong as the starting quarterback of an NFL team with very high expectations for what's going to happen this season. The whole thing just seems a little strange. Yeah. And, and look, 
I mean, we, we, we know all the time that it happens where we're, we're told something other than what the truth is. Hell, he hit an MCL injury for all of 2020. Teams will lie, cheat, do whatever they have to do. And I'm not saying that's what's going on here, but we know that it happens. You have to factor that into your analysis of this. And when things don't add up, you got to wonder, are they being straight with us? Was it something that really was pre-planned? Or did it just come up and they're saying it was pre-planned so people don't freak out? And then what about the guys who are there busting their butts? I can't say that 90 guys universally are like fine with one of the guys, even if it's Tom Brady, just disappearing for 10 days. I can't say that they're, oh, okay, fine, it's no big deal. We're here working. You're not going to sell all 90 guys on that, um, which is part of the challenge for Todd Bowles and the rest of the coaching staff. And, Chris, I think if the, if the 90 guys knew what was going on, somebody would leak it some way, somehow. Well, I think the 90 guys are in the dark, or 89 are in the dark. Right. Well, you know, one, 10 days is not a big deal for Tom Brady. Not at this point of his career. He's the, he is the effing man. Let's just not forget about that. Nothing in our history with Tom Brady would tell us, you know, he's just taken off for some stupid reason. It just This is a guy that's he's obsessed as much as anybody we've ever seen in the sport. And I will say that I'll disagree with you a little bit here. I think this is one guy that can get, you know, the 89 will just go, huh? You know, we see what he does. He's all in all the time. He's he's Except the, when he's not. Well, he but but you don't know he's not all in right now. Maybe, you know, again, I, I think we gotta respect this for what it is. For a guy that's just shown us, you know, twenty two years of just pure obsession, I I, 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 I get can't you. get off of that. I, I gotta have I I gotta have some other inkling first before I can I can go down that road. And I just would think that there is something real here. I just I don't know what it is. It is fishy, like you said. There's no doubt about it. I don't understand it either. But uh, I think it's the team is going to be fine, and the players. Yeah, with Brady, it's this is this is this is football god. It doesn't matter who you are in the locker room, and I think they know he's about his business, and he'll be ready to go when the time comes. For how many years of your life can you suspend the rest of your life for seven uninterrupted months? We don't see guys in their 40s do this. This is something that younger men can pull off. As you get older, it's harder to be away for that long, to be fully immersed for that long. And it makes me wonder, Chris, look, if this is part of a broader plan to try to balance out his life or I, I don't know, what's going to happen during the season? Is he going to get you know, Tuesday through Thursday off in advance of a game? I don't know. No. Do his re- do his remote game planning. I don't know. No. I, it's all this I is know. all so new to us and him and sport generally to have a guy. You know, George Blanda played this long, but he was a kicker by the time he was forty six. Yeah, right. He he wasn't he wasn't, wasn't the starting quarterback of a right. highly contending team, and right. so I, I I just it's an unusual situation. It invites curiosity. It does. Curiosity is normal and natural for what we do. And I, I just obviously, obviously the situation makes us say what's going on because it feels like there's more than meets the eye here. And it may just be a failure by the Buccaneers PR staff to properly set this up to minimize the curiosity and the speculation. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we're going to break out the superlatives for week one of the preseason. We'll do that on this Monday edition of PFT Live. Look at that. Oh, 
Damn right. I got to teach Macy that. Macy can't do that. The skull clap. That is awesome. That is uh, amazing. We will teach her. We will teach her the skull clap. You can't teach her, her well that. Done. You can't do that. I can't that. teach her anything. Jill can teach her. Okay. Jill good. has taught me many things. If she can teach me things, she can teach anything. So, all right. Uh, week one, preseason superlatives. We've yet to see the, the, the real skull clap at U.S. Bank Stadium. The Vikings have only one preseason road game this year because they have nine at home. Uh, let me start. I'm going to yeah, start cool. with Serenity Now. Serenity Now goes to Jalen Hurts. This is a combination of what happened on Friday night and what Nick Sirianni, the coach of the Eagles, had to say about Jalen Hurts on Sunday. He took a big hit from Jets linebacker Quincy Williams on the sideline on Friday night. Nick Sirianni lost his stuff, yelling over to Robert Sala, what the F, Sala. Now, after the game, Sirianni <laughs> said... Awesome. Sirianni said, I wasn't mad at Robert Sala. I was mad about what happened. There he is there. What the F, Sala. (laughs) It was great. uh, And and Sala admitted it was an egregiously awful hit. uh, Look at Devontae Smith laughing behind. (laughs) They're all laughing. And and Robert's like, yeah, I know. And again, he knew the guy applied a hit that that should have been applied. But, But here's the key. Jalen Hurts was completely unaffected. That's effing bold. After the game, he says, look, it's football. I took a hit. It's no big deal. He's fine with it. And that's where Sirianna praised him. Nothing bothers the guy. I can be yelling at him. He's not affected. The stands collapse in Washington and almost break his leg. And that happened late last year. He's not affected by it. I mean, Sirianna actually cited that example. Gets hit along the sidelines. He's fine with it. And that that serenity now, that that even-keeled attitude rubs off on the guys around him, except Sirianni, obviously. <laughs> Sirianni is not influenced by his quarterback's demeanor. I, I, I love I love Sirianni. And again, I think he's one of that new breed of coaches, again, that just it wears it on his sleeve. He knows how to communicate with his team. They love that he's in the foxhole with them. You know, it, it, I find it refreshing. Now, let, let, let's just say this, because I think this, again, that was egregious and late and stupid, you know, by a young player to, to hit Jalen Hurts that late, definitely. But I think what we learned a little bit, you know, and, and some of the things and what we're hearing from the NFL, the quarterbacks aren't good. They're not getting a free pass anymore on the, whoa, I'm slowing up and I'm three yards from the sideline and you can't hit me anymore. The, 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 the quarterbacks have been cheating the game that way. And I think that is something that is being made known to the NFL teams. Yes. And the defensive yes. players know that too. And if the quarterback ain't out of bounds, they are getting hit. Not if you're in the air on the way out of bounds or it looks like you might go out of bounds, you are going to get lambasted. This is the way the league is going to go this year. They can't. How many, like we talked about this when we were out in the Hall of Fame game. How many times a year do we see Josh Allen or Mahomes run to the sideline and act like they're going to pull up and then tippy tiptoe down the sideline for 10 more yards because everyone goes, whoa. So this is something I think the running quarterback will have to get used to. Hey, look, this is the thing that got me dragged before Super Bowl 54, the idea that you have to treat the quarterback who runs like a running back, even if the officials aren't going to view him that way. But you and I are on the same page. There's a push for the officials to understand that once that quarterback crosses the line of scrimmage with the ball, he's a running back. And there was a flag. It was the Patriots-Bills game that I think the NFL recognizes shouldn't have been a flag for a hit on Josh Allen because, oh, we got to protect the quarterback. No, you don't. Once he's got the ball and he's downfield, he's no different than anybody else. 
But the thing is, the boundaries change. So if you have coaches telling defensive players, I want you to hit that guy when he runs, you're going to have guys that get hit late. Because instead of the defender pulling up on the edge of the sideline and letting the guy go five or ten more yards, you're going to have the defender apply the hit. And sometimes he's going to apply the hit when he shouldn't. And that was the first thing I thought of when I saw that. Right. Robert Sala is telling his guys, yeah. you hit the quarterback when Bring he it. runs. Quincy Williams just got a little over, overly aggressive. Exactly. Exactly right. But, yeah, and, then, you know, and, of course, who are they playing week one? Aren't they playing the Ravens, right, we talked about? So they're getting used to running. They're getting ready for running quarterbacks. And I think Jets. That's they got be the a, Jets. Yeah. Oh, no. They got the Ravens. Yeah, right. right. The Jets, right. The Jets, the Jets don't have the Jets. The Jets are playing the Although, Jets. That's impressive. That would guarantee they would win a game. The Jets should want the Jets on their schedule to get to 1-0. Yeah. You're correct. All right. Um, Mild brain fart. Go yep. ahead. All right. I think I'm going to go still, you know, uh, room to learn or, you know, welcome to the NFL. Uh, room to learn. And I'm going to go with Malik Willis here. Malik Willis, first off, very weird circumstances where he got pulled in the middle of a drive in the third quarter of the football game the other night against the, the, the Ravens. Malik Willis, I love the way he looked. I really did. He's big. He, he looks and plays big. We saw him run with a great you know highlight touchdown. And his, his arm and his motion and throwing, to me, it pops off the screen. I love Malik Willis's motion. But at the same time, you know, he turned down some – he was too run. He was too reliant on his legs. And I think he said that after the game. You see here, I mean, there's real talent in this kid. There's no doubt about that. But, wow, when you watch it back, he missed – and that there, a nice little flick of the wrist. It's awesome. But, yes, Vrabel said it. He didn't want to throw the ball. Yeah, he was looking at the rush a little too much. He was trying to make plays that way. And when I watched back that film a little yesterday, yeah, there was, there was people open. And he's just got to learn that a little bit. But this is where I also wonder, because so rare to do that. I almost felt like it was a calculated thing by Vrabel to do just to hush the, the – it's Ryan Tannehill's our quarterback, right? It was like, okay, he got out there, he did some good things, but he didn't do some good things too, and I'm going to let everybody know about this so we don't have an issue at the quarterback controversy. So I just found that kind of interesting. I don't know if I'm right there or anything like that. Like I said, I really like the guy's motion and the way he looks, but I found that to be kind of fascinating. Look, I I think that there's some degree of disconnect between Vrabel and GM John Robinson. I think it was there with Julio Jones. I think we've seen it there with other players. Well, the A.J. Brown trade. (laughs) A.J. Brown. Oh, A.J. Brown. Yeah, who could forget that? I just did. (laughs) <laughs> but I, 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 you know, this may have been something that Vrabel looks at and says, Come here, you're already making my life hard enough. You're trading away A.J. Brown. Now you're bringing in a quarterback that everybody's going to think is the next starter, and i got to try to balance all this. Thank you so much for that. Uh, next one for me, Kevin Colbert did it again. Now, look, it's going to take a lot for the Steelers to have a draft class that rivals 1974. But it could be the top two guys they took this year end up being pretty damn good. All the talk about the quarterback position with Kenny Pickett. Holy crap, George Pickett. Holy crap. And, And the folks who have watched Georgia carefully in recent years know that George Pickens is great. But, my God, he fell to pick number 52. He was the 11th receiver taken. Surely the buzz is already going to start, and the questions are going to be asked about why it took so long for this guy to come off the board. This is the throw from Mason Rudolph, 26-yard touchdown. Look at this, the concentration, the catch, and the toes in. Touchdown for George Pickens. And the thing that impressed me even more than that, this was in the first quarter of the game. He's got a guy up on him. And I mean, what, the best way to keep a guy off you in press coverage is to start putting guys on their asses, which is exactly what he did. Look at this. But I mean, 
My goodness, the force from that to put the, to put in that is an NFL defensive back that George Pickens put on his ass with a mild shove. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. I mean, no question. It he began a lot of buzz. He would have been a first round pick if he could have played a full season last year. He had a he had a knee a knee injury or foot injury. I can't remember. It was something lower leg and only really played in the national championship game and the SEC championship game. But yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking the same thing, Mike. These damn Steelers, here they go. They're they, they they got some eye for wide receivers, and that was pretty special. Um, all right, I want to go. I'm gonna say, uh, you know, just I don't even know what I, my phrase I want to hear. I just want to say, just it's preseason week one. Don't start a quarterback controversy yet. All right, just shh, because I sit there and watch the Giants New England game, and I get done. All right. And my man, Michael Irvin, comes on, who I love. I love Michael Irvin. So I'm having fun with him here. But he starts pumping Tyrod Taylor. And I missed kind of some of the start of the game and everything else. So I'm going back to watch. I came into the house, actually, and he was talking. And I was like, whoa, Tyrod Taylor must have tore it up. Uh Uh-oh, there's going to be a controversy here. First off, Daniel Jones did well. He had a ball dropped on the two-yard line. That would have been a first down to, to continue the drive. But then I go back and watch the game, and I want to be like, why are you starting something, Michael Irvin? I know everybody wants to jump on Daniel Jones. And again, I'm having fun here with Michael Irvin. So, Michael, if you want to crap on me later, feel free. I don't care. We're buddies. But I just was like, Tyrod Taylor did some good things, sure. But he also could have thrown four interceptions in the game. I mean, he legitimately. And I just don't like how sometimes there's we jump on people after – you know, one game or just because it's easy to jump on him from last year and all that. So that bothered me. So I just want to say don't start something quite yet. Let's let the preseason play out. The one thing that continues to rattle around is this idea of the Giants making a play for Jimmy G. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, I mean, again, I, I wouldn't do that if I were them. I certainly wouldn't. And Brian Dayball, he's he's certainly going to know some of the things that we've talked about with Jimmy G or was in New England too, where, you know, again, you connect the dots there in New England. I mean – you know, we, we heard Julian Edelman and some of those players talk about it a few weeks ago. He was going to play a game and decided on Saturday not to play. So, I, and again, I don't know if he's necessarily any better than or more talented than Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor either. So, I don't, I don't really like that idea. Let's take a break. When we return, Deion Sanders had some interesting comments about the Hall of Fame that I think Chris and I both agree with. You'll hear that next on this Monday edition of PFT Live. The conversation is that the Hall of Fame ain't the Hall of Fame no more. It, 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 I love it. I respect it. I admire it. Um, I think all the guys who are inducted definitely are deserving. But it needs to be a different color jacket. I, my, my jacket got to be a different color. It, 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 it uh-uh. It, it needs to be starting, starting 11. It needs to be upper room. Uh, my head don't belong with some of these other heads that's in the Hall of Fame. Put my head, what they call them, bust? Well, I call it the head. Bust. Put my bust, put my head, my head. Do that. Put my head where my head supposed to be. My head don't supposed to be that him. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I'm saying what y'all thinking, and a lot of y'all Hall of Famers are thinking the same thing. This thing is becoming a free-for-all now, man. You, If you play good, you'll... No, no, it ain't good. It's people that change the game. That's what the Hall of Fame is. A game changer. A game changer. Not, I played good. 
I had a good little run. Mm-mm. I gave you three, four good years. No, dog. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Game changes. Hey, look, there's a lot of things about Deion Sanders I disagree with, but I agree with him 100% on that, Chris. You've said it before. You know, when we talk about Lawrence Taylor, we talk about Aaron Donald, the guys who, like, if you even need, that should be the rule. If you even need to have a debate, the guy shouldn't get in the Hall of Fame. Probably not. If anybody can make a reasonable debate against the guy getting in, then he shouldn't get in. Yeah. A reasonable debate, not a Terrell Owens. Oh, all these teams hated him. That was a personal pile of crap from the voters. I'm talking about the guys who, based on merit, can walk straight in. Those are the guys who should be in. But you know what, Chris? If they did that, you can't have a full parade in Canton. There's only going to be one guy this year. There's going to be nobody this year. What are we going to do? Are we still going to have a Hall of Fame game if we don't put anybody in the Hall of Fame? They're trying to prop up a museum in Canton with eight new busts every year. And then they, they found a way a couple years ago to put in 20. That's what this is all about. It's loading more heads into the room to get more people to come to Canton. And it's, it's a shame because it waters down the Hall of Fame. It does water it down. There's, there's no question. And you're right. It's, it's all about dollars, dollars and cents. That's the only reason. And, and, and I, I'm totally on Dion here. I mean, I, I like a lot of what Dion says a lot of the time. I think he's the real football guy that gives these things deep thoughts. And yeah, they need to figure something out. There, there isn't. Like, Deion Sanders, uh, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Jerry Rice, Dan Marino, Peyton Manning, whoever, they deserve to be in another room. Uh, Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, they've got to figure something out. Maybe they give them a jacket that's really made of gold or something. Like, it's like you get an actual <laughs> gold jacket. We sprinkled in real gold for you guys because you're in the special Hall of Fame. But – uh, I, I totally understand his argument there. And you're right. When we were growing up, right, or when I, when I was growing up, you were a little older, but in the 80s, that's just how it was. You're right. There was it was The Hall of Fame was guys that was like, oh, there's no argument. Duh. Yes, he's going into the Hall of Fame, 100%. I mean, there's no, oh, it's Roger Staubach. Yes, Hall of Famer. Oh, it's Jack Lambert. Yes, no Hall of Famer. Now we're like, you know, three-year debating, like, oh, the guy was – this, he was kind of good for two years, and then he was he was real good for three years, and that's where I think somebody like Deion Sanders is probably very frustrated. I remember one guy got in once, and I asked a voter why did that guy get in, and the argument was, well, there's going to be a lot of others coming up that are going to get in instead of him. Yeah, so, so we got to get him get in, in now. He's getting in now. Right. Well, like, he either belongs in or he doesn't. Right. That's why I want nothing to do with voting on it. I, I, not that they would ever offer it to me. If they would offer it, I would say I'm not doing I don't want to be part of it because there are too many flaws that need to be fixed. We're done. Have a great day. See ya. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.